The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, May 22nd, 2023. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, lots to talk about from the weekend with... Uh, Auburn Athletics, we've got baseball and softball to talk about. Also, even more news to talk about with Auburn football as Hugh Freeze uh, continues to be the transfer portal king. Uh, We'll talk about all of that coming up throughout the show today. Uh, We'll talk about the best and worst things that we saw from over the weekend. Lots to talk about outside of Auburn uh, with the PGA Championship and the playoffs going on. Uh, Just so much happening in the world of sports. And so, uh, should be a great show today. Carter, happy Monday, man. How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. It was good. Uh, it's been a little bit uh, busy, I guess, the last month or so on weekends for, for me, traveling to see mm-hmm. uh, family, had that had that golf trip and then uh but so it's good to have a weekend kind of to to relax a bit yeah that's that's how my my weekend was we uh didn't do a whole lot i mean hung out friday and then yeah that was pretty much it Watched golf this weekend watched uh, uh nba and nhl this weekend watched some movies this weekend really just kind of chilled it was actually really really nice and so uh, uh feeling feeling ready to go and refreshed on this monday afternoon and hope you all are as well again so much to talk about on the show today we're going to start with Auburn baseball and softball uh, kind of recapping what was a busy weekend for both of those squads uh, one of their seasons is over the other one getting into SEC tournament play and so we'll talk about that coming up then yes we will talk Auburn football as Hugh Freeze uh, has picked up even more commitments in the transfer portal three of them to be exact uh, we'll talk about those guys and what they bring to this Auburn squad as as Auburn has now gotten 20 players in the transfer portal Auburn football that is so We'll talk about that coming up later in hour number one. Plus, in hour number two, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us as he does every single Monday. But until then, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you and what you have to say uh, from what you saw over the weekend, what's going on with Auburn baseball, Auburn softball, Auburn football. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and what you have to say. 334-321-1390. Give us a call. We'd love for you to be a part of the show and be on the line. 334 321-1390. 1390 and Carter as I mentioned we'll start with Auburn baseball and softball Uh, we'll start with softball as they go and when they got their draw in the NCAA tournament it didn't quite seem fair because they they went to Clemson right and if they were Mm -hmm. able to get through the Clemson regional they were going to have to go through Norman, Oklahoma the best team in the entire country whoever whoever won the uh, Auburn Clemson matchup I don't think it was going to go well no. next week. Because no, because that Oklahoma team is so good. They're, they I mean, they are 
the the dream team of of softball it feels like like 92 dream team they're yeah. just that good yeah i mean your reward is is oklahoma i mean it, it doesn't seem fair but auburn softball they go to uh the clemson regional uh they win a few games they get all the way to the uh winner go home game against clemson after losing to them to start then they won a couple games to get back they beat clemson in the one game you had to beat them twice to mm-hmm. beat and win the regional they just fell up came up a little short in that last game and keep in mind like we already saw this Auburn team against Oklahoma earlier this year we saw Auburn go to Oklahoma City and play uh five games one against Weaver State where they got a win uh they played Northwestern who's a top five six team in the country lost both of those they were very close two to one six to five and then they played number two Oklahoma or number one Oklahoma twice and lost by a combined score of 21 to 1. So it was not going to be pretty had Auburn figured out a way to advance, but it does kind of feel like I feel like in the Mickey Dean era, we have seen Auburn softball make the postseason and then the offense disappears. Mm-hmm. They just don't score enough in big games in the postseason to advance any farther. And it's it's a real problem. I mean, it's this was probably his best offensive team. And you still in three games against um, against Clemson scored what six runs? You lost seven zero. You won five two, and you lost whatever that the final score was five one or something in game three. I mean, you just didn't. You don't score enough. And the problem too uh, for Auburn softball is you had Matty Pinta, the SEC Player of the Year. That's not the issue. The issue is. You didn't have a ton to back her up. I mean, she she yeah. got ran into the ground in this Clemson regional. But when you're in that point, you do what you have to do, and she's your best pitcher by far. And so they went to her in starting roles. They went to her in relief roles. They went to her in closing roles. I mean, Maddie Pinta threw so many pitches over these last mm-hmm. few days that, I mean, if her arm hasn't fallen off at this point, it'd be a miracle. And she's back next year as of right now. I mean, I guess theoretically she could transfer, but I think uh, the expectation is she will return to Auburn, and um, you've got some some building blocks there. But this team has to, in big matchups, be able to score more. I mean, you you even go back to some of the bigger series they played, yeah, they won some games, but they didn't score a lot of runs. And when mm-hmm. they lost, they were scoring zero and one runs in games. Right, and I think that's the difference with with softball and baseball because in softball, the field is smaller, right? The pitcher's closer to the batter. Like, there are more balls in play in softball, and there are just more things happening more times than not in a softball game versus a baseball game. And so you have the potential to score more runs in softball, and you have to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like Auburn just came up it came up a little short in some of those games. So, uh, softball season is over. Uh, they lose in the Clemson Regional. So congratulations to the Tigers. You get to go and uh, probably get uh, just – Get it handed to you by Oklahoma. I mean, there's just no other way to put it, man. That I Oklahoma. Think, I think I saw something on social media on Twitter that like Oklahoma hit uh, tied an, an NCAA record with six home runs in their like clinching win of their regional. Um, and I think it's something crazy. Like it's happened six times. Yeah. And Oklahoma's done it three or four of those six times in the history of. College softball? It's ridiculous. And think about this. That team's going to be in the SEC next year. 
That's an SEC team next year, yeah. along with Texas. And you look at what softball already did this past weekend in regionals, you had tons of teams in regional play. Auburn and Alabama and A&M and, and so many. Do you by chance know what Oklahoma's record is this year in softball? Oh, it's ridiculous. They have like less than three losses. 54 and one. Good Lord. And their one loss was, I believe... Uh, second weekend of the year, they lost. Uh, they went and played a tournament in Waco and lost to Baylor on the road, four to three. They have not lost a game since February nineteenth. Did Baylor hang the hang the banner? Because I would. I absolutely would. I would hang a banner for beating Oklahoma in softball right now. It's not even. And what's even funnier about that is they lost to a Big Twelve team, and it wasn't even a Big Twelve game. It was just in a so, tournament that they happened to be at. Yeah. That's so crazy. They did not lose in, That's crazy. in Big 12 play. Yeah. Well, look, Auburn softball, they're competing, right? But they've got to figure out how. It seems like they, ever since they made it to the College World Series, uh, what seems like a while ago, it seems like they just haven't been able to get back over that hump. And, and man, the SEC is so competitive with Florida and Alabama. Like, there are, there are some really, really, really good teams in the SEC, mm-hmm. and you're adding two more with Oklahoma and Texas. So Auburn softball got to figure it out. Uh, they had a great season, though. They had a lot of fun. It was a very exciting team to keep up with this year and watch as well. This is just a funny note. Um, when they did run into Baylor – in conference play later in the year they took it out huh shut them out three times wow <laughs> wow well oklahoma i mean it's oklahoma's to lose it really is it's their championship to lose and so uh look congratulations to auburn softball on a fantastic year uh, it comes to an end in the clemson regional auburn baseball on the other hand continues to be the hottest team in the entire country in college baseball. They now have eight straight wins in the SEC, eight straight wins in general, with back-to-back sweeps of Ole Miss last weekend and Missouri this weekend. Carter, Auburn baseball, they're on a roll, man. They're on a roll. And you cannot deny it at this point in time. They started 5-10 and in conference play. Since then, they've gone 12-3. and That is unbelievable. The only other team that could make an argument is Clemson, who I think started, what, like 3-7 and in ACC play, and they're now 20-10 and to end it. Like, that's the only other option. But I would say, as of right now, Auburn's the hottest team in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is unbelievable what this team has done this year, just how uh, they've turned it around, and the pitching stats were unbelievable. I mean, your, your ERA dropped from eight, somewhere around eight, through the first 15 games of conference play. The last 15, they were it's around like 4.6. Like, you got way better. You were walking uh, – or wait, it, I, I think your ERA dropped a little bit. I think that was your walks per game was like 8-point-something to 4.6. Your, your whip, your walks, hits, inning pitched, dropped by half an inning. So you're putting a fewer runners on. The offense is getting better, and – I mean, you got to feel good about this team. If this team can it is this is the offense of this team even better than last year and like is this is this the best Auburn offense we've seen since what? 2010 when that team led the country in home runs? Yeah. When it had it, Trent Mummy, Hunter Morris, uh Brian Fletcher, guys that could just go deep all of the time. Well, now you got Bryson Ware who's has an outside shot. I mean, I, I really don't even think it's that outside. I think there is a realistic chance that he sets the Auburn record for home runs. 
He only needs, what, four more to sit alone at the top of that list? How about that? I mean, this, this offense, just look at what they're doing in SEC play. Nine runs, seven runs, four runs, 13 runs, eight runs, 16 runs, 12, eight. I mean, it's a seven and a loss to South Carolina, nine, eight. I mean, this team you, is... You have scored at least four runs in every conference game you have played dating back to April 21st, besides the one that you ran into maybe the best uh, college pitcher in the last 20 years. Yeah, the number two overall Paul pick. Paul yeah. who is absolutely filthy yeah he's he's nasty the fact that he is so good that teams they they play a series around him and they just give up on friday night they or thursday night whatever game one is they literally just say take game one we'll play for the rest of the series because they know they can't touch him it's unbelievable yeah i mean that that that's how it is uh and the way that this auburn team went from auburn was left for dead they're in a ditch off the side of the road after the A&M series, you're like, oh my gosh, this team's not going to make the postseason. How awful is this year? Remember, they were picked, what, sixth in the SEC West? They finished the regular season in third because they had the most um, stark turnaround. Just, it could not have been more different. The back half of SEC play. And now, right now, D1 Baseball has you as the 12th seed in the NCAA tournament. You're hosting a regional based on that for the second year in a row. And also, I mean, we've kind of mentioned this. Alabama's RPI is so good, and they've finished their season so well. Turns out all they had to do was cut the dead weight of their head coach, Brad. uh, Brad, I'm drawing on his last name. Bohannon, thank you. I was about to say Bedell, but that was uh, the the tight ends coach for Auburn last year. Um, <laughs> Close. They're currently projected to host. I don't know the last time Auburn hosted Auburn and Alabama both both hosted in the same season. Well, didn't we ask Lindsey? And, and I don't. He didn't know. I don't it know if it's ever happened. happened because regionals, super regionals, have only been a thing for so long. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was basically your regionals. You had. 16 that or you, you had even fewer and you had so many more teams it was harder to be a host right now you've got 16 regionals um and i don't think auburn and alabama have both been really good at the same time all that often and think about what Lindsay brought up too what if what happens if alabama which i think they will if they get to host a regional possibly host a super regional and auburn plays in that super regional wouldn't that be unbelievable if auburn and alabama were playing in the same state in the well, okay. super region i don't think that is going to happen because i think the way that that has to happen is auburn or alabama probably auburn because Auburn's 17 conference wins, I think, is going to push Auburn ahead of Alabama when when seeding comes out. And that's what D1 Baseball is, is saying when you look at it with Auburn at 12 and Alabama at 14. One of these two teams has to win the SEC tournament for that to happen. Has to win the tournament. And the other one's got to win some games as well. And I think you, you basically got to get to 8-9 almost yeah. as your matchup. Because right now, Auburn is paired with Stanford, the five seed. For so, if Auburn were to if it were were to go chalk, Auburn would win their regional. Stanford would win their regional. Then Auburn would travel hop to on a plane for the second year in a row, fly all the way out to a Pac-12 team, and go play a series at the Sunken Diamond in Stanford, 
which by the way is a sick stadium. Have you uh, been there? I have been there. Interesting. I've never um, been. So it's it's a really cool stadium out there. Uh, I got to go out there and see it back in the back in the days that Toby Toby Gerhardt should have won the Heisman and also played on their baseball team. That was a time, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty. It's pretty crazy when when Mark Ingram, when the first of the two Alabama Heisman running backs stole a Heisman from a Stanford running back that year, because Mark Ingram did not deserve that more than Toby Gerhardt, and I will make the argument that Christian McCaffrey deserved it more than Derrick Henry. I don't hate that one. The first one is tough for me. I agree with Christian McCaffrey, though. Christian McCaffrey was a dog. He was a, he was an animal. I he, mean, nobody. He scored su- touchdowns six different ways that year. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's he, not possible. Like, he, that doesn't happen. Just a versatile player, man. He had a passing touchdown, receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Well, I guess it was five ways. A punt return touchdown and a kick return touchdown. Dude was unbelievable. And he's carried it on better than yeah, any like of those the guys. Second most all-purpose yards ever. And he's carried it on to the pros better than any of them because he's well, still a legitimate. I think in the pros, you can have a legitimate conversation about who, which one is having a has had a better career, McCaffrey or Henry? Because it's, Henry was kind of stagnant for a while, but then you saw him take off, which is fair. Which is fair. And McCaffrey was awesome. Had some injuries. It's now awesome again. Yes, with a different team, but. To get back to baseball really quick, Auburn is a five seed coming up in Hoover. Uh, We'll talk some more about it later on in the show. Jacob Hillman will join us and talk some baseball and softball as well. Just really, really impressive what Auburn did this weekend. You you back up a sweep over Ole Miss with a sweep over Missouri, four nothing on Thursday on uh, Friday in the doubleheader, seven to two in the back end of the doubleheader, and then nine to seven on Saturday. And uh, turns out Auburn plays Missouri again in Hoover in the SEC tournament tomorrow. A place in Hoover Auburn has not won since 2018. We'll talk some more about Auburn baseball later on in the show. But when we come back, it's Monday, so want to talk about the best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk about that when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7 for the Monday edition of On the Line. Question of the day, it's Monday. Why does the media hate Stanford running backs? <laughs> Which Carter has been investigating the entire break. Um, yes, I have. And what I the conclusion is Toby Gerhardt got robbed. Got robbed. You're mad. I am mad. <laughs> I, I was mad then, and I'm mad now. Well, I mean, who knew that on a Monday we'd be talking about Stanford running backs that got robbed of the Heisman Trophy? Toby Gerhardt had 28 rushing touchdowns. Oh, it was stupid. And I, I agree with the Christian McCaffrey one. That one, there's Mark more Gerhardt of an had argument. 17. Yeah. Man, I Gerhardt had more yards. Christian McCaffrey, though, I mean, just what an unbelievable talent, man. What an unbelievable player he was he in had, college. He had 3,700 all-purpose yards. Or actually, 3,800, 3,900 all-purpose yards. And, I mean, scored touchdowns every way possible. And, yeah, but again, playing in the Pac-12, when you play at 10 o'clock at night, I think it has a factor. He had two passing touchdowns, by the way. He was two for three on the year for 39 yards and two passing touchdowns. That is elite level efficiency, brother. (laughs) That is exactly what that is. But the real question of the day on this Monday afternoon, 
What's the best and worst things that we saw from over the weekend? We'd love to hear from you. I, ooh, I've really enjoyed. Ooh. I've I really enjoyed doing this. You. Yeah. Oh, it I is. Know what's the it, worst for you? It 100 percent is. There's no doubt Why about don't it. You lead off with the worst thing that happened to you this week. The worst thing that has happened in general have been the NBA conference finals. They've been terrible. Okay, well, that's cheating. You're you're hiding. I'm what getting your there. Actual pain I'm getting there. The blanket both finals. I'm getting there. The conference finals in the NBA have been terrible. They're both 3 nothing. They're going to be sweeps, which I believe would be the first time ever in the history of the NBA playoffs where both the conference finals would result in sweeps. The Nuggets are just way too good for the Lakers. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy, and LeBron, just he just doesn't have it in him anymore. That team is not as good as Jamal Murray and the Joker. On the other side, the Celtics are a joke right now i mean an absolute joke they have no heart there is they have no defense they just don't care with the talent on that team and what they did last year i think they're they're a bet in terms of raw talent i think they're a better team this year i agree and with the way that the playoffs have shaken out i mean this should be almost a walk to the finals and then yes you're playing a good denver team in the finals but this should be a Celtics NBA championship. For a team that lost in the finals last year to a good but not great Warriors team, to come into this year and have a really good regular season, you were second in all wins in the NBA. You come in and you've played with your food the entire time. You deserve to get what's happened to you right now if you're the Celtics. Against Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, who is playing out of his mind, which I'm not saying it's it's irregular for him he's a really really good player and there are really good players on that Miami Heat team they're playing extremely well they are not an eight seed folks they're literally a two or three seed in my mind and they beat Milwaukee the one seed they have ran through everybody so far and they are going to sweep the Celtics it's going to happen because the Celtics can't do anything and they don't care they absolutely don't care. I've never seen it like this in my life. And there's a lot of factors there. Joe Mazzula is not ready to be a head coach. But at the same time, the players got to do something, man. The players got to do something. And the fact that you can't get that group of players to take down Jimmy Butler, it's unbelievable. That's the worst thing I saw this weekend was the NBA playoffs, including the Boston Celtics, who are a joke right now. By the way, um, fun fact, Jimmy Butler averages, what, 22 points a game in the regular season? He's over 30 in the playoffs. He's he's averaged in the in his playoff career 29 points per game. Yeah. He's, he's that dude. Crazy thing. This is unbelievable. This, this blows my mind. Do you know when his last 40-point game in the regular season was Chicago days 2017 do you know how many 40 point games he has in the last two postseasons four six wow. he has not had a regular season 40 point game since 2017 and he has six in the last two postseasons see he does it the right way you see teams all season long do that James load Harden. management James and Harden. stuff like that and James yeah oh, James Harden the, the Clippers the, the Clippers yeah literally the Clippers Jimmy Butler doesn't load manage he just doesn't go all out until the playoffs and then he just surprises everybody every year he's he, like hey remember me I'm really really good at basketball he processes the game of basketball at a level that not many people on this planet do and he does something that i have said is if you can do this at a high level you will be one of the greatest to ever play the game he is a mid-range 
king. I mean, this guy Wait, is a mid-range dude. He can't average. miss. He's been average from mid-range until this year. This year he's been really good. And it, it's and unguardable. But, but his feel, his ability to create those looks and the way that he uses his jump stop and his pivot and the way that he will get people in the air and draw fouls, it's art. It yeah. really is. It's unbelievable. It's it's he processes the on both ends mm-hmm. because he's about as good at picking off passes as anybody out there because he knows what you're thinking, despite how your whatever fake you're making or head fake or ball fake. It doesn't matter. He knows what you're trying to do, and he's going to disrupt it. The Celtics finally figured out, hey, let's double team him and make somebody else beat us. Yeah, don't worry. Miami's got other players. They all beat you. They're all good. <laughs> They're all what's good. It, what's it like to get dominated by a guy named Gabe Vincent? Uh, he's playing out of his mind, dude. He's playing good. And think about this. Miami doesn't have Victor Oladipo or Tyler Hero. They're doing this without both of those guys. They're doing it with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and a bunch of uh, undrafted guys who are just playing really, really well. And Eric Spolstra, who is a legendary coach in the NBA. Yep. It's this just, is awesome. it, it's, it is what it is, man. Then on the other side, the Nuggets are good, man. That's going to be a heck of a series in the finals. I feel like we have to continue this conversation and 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 really have this therapy session. Well, oh, I want to talk about the best thing I saw over the weekend I've, because I've it was fantastic. We'll talk about that and Auburn football in the transfer portal when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird. We're going to get to Auburn football in just a second, but still want to continue really, really quick talking about the best and worst things we saw in sports over the weekend. Uh, I had my rant. I'm good for the day. I had my rant about the NBA and the Celtics. Uh, They are just not playing good in there. Yeah, they're just not playing good, but the best things that we saw in sports over the weekend. There were some really, really cool things. Um, you can oh, talk yeah. Auburn athletics, but the best thing that I saw over the weekend was at the PGA Championship. No, it was not Brooks Kepka, who, yeah, he was a dog. He, he, he did his thing. He was locked in. He was Brooks Kepka, who won his fifth major title, his third PGA Championship. This one, as a live golfer, so I'm sure PGA people are loving the fact that a live golfer walked in there and won the PGA Championship. But the best thing that happened at this tournament over the weekend was a man named Michael Block, who set the world on fire and became the biggest storyline of the PGA Championship. This guy is unbelievable. And if you didn't see the story, it is just fantastic. He is a he's not like a legitimate PGA player. He's a member at a golf course in California. He's a tour pro that gives lessons for $125. He went and got top 15 in the PGA Championship, qualified for next year's PGA Championship and had the shot of the tournament with a hole in one yesterday on Sunday. Oh, it wasn't just a hole in one, he dunked it absolute dunked didn't even hit the flag it, it was awesome didn't even hit the flag he couldn't believe it he yeah, couldn't believe you had it Jim Nance doing the call and and balls in the air and he goes and the fairy tale continues and the next thing you know they switch to the shot from the behind the green and the thing just dunks it also like 
he broke the hole and they yeah. just like didn't do anything about it, which is uh, it must not have I affected thought, I it. I guess they normally fix that, but he caved in part of the hole when he dunked it. Um, but yeah, he didn't even know that he he made it at first. He, he looked just, at Rory. He goes, went nuts. Did that go in? Rory came and gave him a hug. And he goes, did that go in? <laughs> but yeah, that was awesome. That that got him back into the hunt for the top fifteen, and it's not as impressive because it's not a dunked hole in one on 15 where the entire property goes nuts for you his up and down on 18 that is ice water in your veins out of the what the two feet rough the thick rough over a bunker it's downhill all the way to the hole so you gotta you have to land it perfectly you almost have to yeah yeah you do have to land it at the very end of the rough, have that kill the speed, and it just trickle on, and it's exactly what he did. Surrounded by fans. Surrounded. Beautiful putt to sink it, to to be able to go to Valhalla, where they're having um, the PGA next year in Louisville, Kentucky. He'll be there. He got the sponsor uh, exemption, the last one for the Charles Schwab this weekend Mm -hmm. at Fort Worth. I mean, unbelievable story. We're talking about a guy who, at his course in California, in Orange County, you can go get a 60-minute lesson for 150 bucks. Yeah. And it's something like, I did the math, it's like 2,000 lessons is what he won because he won $288,000. And previously, his high was somewhere in like 2010, around there. He won $75,000, and he's won, what, four times that? Mm Mm-hmm. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, well, he he talked about how it was different for him because he's not out there to pay his bills because he has a full-time job at a golf course. He was out there to compete and and just kind of have fun and and went out there and and competed. He literally went out and competed and got top 15 in the PGA Championship. And so Michael Block was the story of the weekend, story of the PGA Championship. And really, I think he was the story uh, of sports in general over the weekend. So congrats to him. The best part of it, in my opinion, was the hole-in-one. His son at his home golf course with all of his family, his friends, co-workers, he videoed the hole-in-one and videoed everybody going nuts. He sent it to CBS. They played it for Michael Block afterwards. He just broke down, man. He just went full tears, oh, yeah. and it was it was a really, really cool moment. And so that's the best thing I saw in sports, and I think it was the best thing that happened in sports over the weekend. And so uh, if you didn't see that, go find it. It's everywhere. But what a really, really cool moment that was at the PGA Championship. And congratulations to Brooks Kepka, who uh, is on fire right now and just locked in and really playing some really, really good Good golf, but Auburn fans may have some other good things they saw in sports this weekend because Auburn football and Hugh Freeze continue to put in work, continue to put in the time, and they continue to get results in the transfer portal. The Tigers pick up three more commitments in the transfer portal. They're up to 20, Carter, out of the transfer portal is Auburn football. Shane Hooks, the Jackson State wide receiver, Sting, uh, yep. Seven Sings, the Liberty Edge, and then Cyrus Dumas, the New Mexico State corner. They have all committed to play football for Auburn out of the transfer portal. Three, I say it a lot, immediate impact players. Yeah, I mean, Shane Hooks, when you go look at at his numbers, he was at Ohio before he ended up at Jackson State. Uh, At Ohio in his, I guess, only full season, he played 10 games in 2019. 
26 catches, 515 yards, uh, five touchdowns. That's pretty strong. But last year at Jackson State, the numbers are even better because he was his first year at Jackson State, 16 catches, 199 yards, two touchdowns. That's not going to blow you away. But we're talking about a uh, six foot four, uh, 215 pound receiver who in 2022, 66 catches, 775 yards, 10 touchdowns. If he replicates that at Auburn, it's the best receiving season Auburn's had since Sammy Coates and Duke Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he scores 10 touchdowns, like th- this is a guy who I think actually has an ability to be a number one for this Auburn team. I don't think Shorter can quite be that. I think Shorter has a role as a deep ball go-get-it guy and a guy who can catch a couple balls a game and make a significant impact and can really turn a game uh, in on limited touches. Right, timely catches. Yes, and but Shane Hooks is a guy that, okay, we're in the red zone and we need somebody to go get one. You throw it up to the 6'4 guy. Or it's third and seven. We need somebody to get us eight yards. Let's look to Shane Hooks. I think Cam Brown can be that kind of guy as well. Regardless, what you've done in the transfer portal at the wide receiver position, you go get Caleb Burton, 5'10, 5'11, a buck 70 out of Ohio State, guy who probably needs to get bigger, um, guy who will probably play the slot with Javarius Johnson. And you already have Javarius Johnson coming back, who's very, very small, but. Uh, he's very quick, and he was Auburn's best deep threat guy last year, which is interesting because I feel like he's more valuable to use his quickness because that's what he was in high school. Is he just ran slants and he ran he ran routes and got separation? And I want to see if Auburn does that with him this upcoming season. So you've got Javaris Johnson, you've got Cam Brown, who's been in practice the best receiver, the guy that's gotten the most buzz. You bring in Nick Mardner out of Cincinnati, who was. Solid at Cincinnati, nothing crazy, was really good at Hawaii with Marcus Davis as his receivers coach, who's now your receivers coach. He's 6'6", 215, enormous. Then you bring in Shorter, 6'2", 220, a guy who's probably going to be the most physical guy of this group. And you bring in now Shane Hooks, 6'4", 205, I like what this staff has done at the receiver position. I think you've upgraded I don't know where the ceiling is, but I know you've risen the floor because you didn't have any known commodities outside of Javaris Johnson. And I guess Coy Moore, who barely had 300 yards last year, you've got five, six guys now that I think you feel confident can elevate that room off of what it was last year. And that's exactly what Auburn fans wanted to see, right? That's what they wanted to see. There were so many question marks on this roster for Auburn football that Auburn fans wanted to see Hugh Freeze go out and take care of, right? Go and fill those roster spots that you needed help on. Offensive line, quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, edge slash jack, corner. You needed all of those spots, And Hugh Freeze has gone and gotten guys to fill those roster spots. And you've gone and gotten guys that are going to walk in the door and either be day one starters or they're going to compete for starting jobs. And I think that is what is so important. I bring it up all the time about the transfer portal 
going and getting instant impact players. Are they all going to be that? No. Do I think Caleb Burton as a wide receiver is going to walk in and be your go-to guy day one? No. But he can get to that point. But a guy like Shane Hooks? Yeah, absolutely. A guy like like him or, or just so many different guys mm-hmm. I feel really, really good about that they can walk in the door and make Auburn better immediately and I think that's what you have to do in the portal you can't do it with every guy but I think Auburn fans are happy with what they've seen from Hugh Freeze and what they've done Auburn's up to number two in the NCAA transfer portal ranks right behind Colorado uh, who they are number one just by sheer numbers Uh, they've brought in over double what Auburn has but that's because they kicked everybody out out of the building but Auburn has really really impressed me and if you take out the the (laughs) <laughs> the outlier of Colorado, Auburn's the most impressive thing in the transfer portal, and I don't think it's close. I, no, no, I mean, I don't think you have to get rid of the outlier Colorado. Auburn's better. Like Auburn's gotten the, better guys. Look, he, Deion Sanders went and landed an obscene amount of players. It's stupid. I mean, he has, what, there, it's over 40 yeah. transfers or something like that, and that's not even counting the high school guys he brought in. Auburn... It's 48 as of right now. He's got one five-star, four four-star, or five four-stars. Auburn has 11 four-stars. I mean, Auburn went and got significantly better. Auburn's average player is... There's only a few schools that have average players better than what Auburn is bringing in. Auburn has turned over the roster through high school and through the transfer portal and elevated this team from a 5-7, and 6-6 six and six team to... I think you're really flirting with eight and four should be the expectation. I'm with you. And I think two, four, seven said that Auburn has brought in the most four stars yes. out of anybody in the, in the transfer yeah, portal. You're, I mean, you're, you're two, four and five stars. If you count them both, nobody else has brought in more than nine and you've brought in 11 now. I mean, this is a strong, strong group. And there's even some guys that aren't even ranked yet in the transfer portal that Auburn has brought in. But going and get a Shane Hooks, going and get a, getting a Steven Sings from Liberty, who, yes, you did not land Isaac Ukwu from James Madison, who probably was, you had Jalen McLeod and Isaac Ukwu were your two top priorities at the edge, at the jack position. You wanted to go get them both. You got one in Jalen McLeod, who I think will be a wonderful specialist for Auburn coming off the edge. I don't know what he looks like on a a first and second down on non-passing down scenarios but on third and long he'll be on the field and he will be generating pass rush with Keldrick Falk with Elijah McAllister with some of these other guys like Marcus Harris I think he will be a fascinating piece to watch you go get a guy like Steven Sinks because you need depth he's look he's not the stats are not going to blow you away He's on a really good defensive line at Liberty. His defensive line coach, Jeremy Garrett, is now the defensive line coach at Auburn. That that way you know that he knows what's expected of him. I think that has value in this room. Familiarity. Yes, and and you bring some experience. A guy who's got 48 tackles across three seasons, nine and a half tackles for a loss, seven sacks. The numbers don't blow you away. But we also come back to in that jack room, in that edge room, you lose Dylan Brooks, but you bring in McLeod and Sings, and both of them are better than Dylan Brooks. Both of them will have a bigger impact 
in the 23 season than Dylan Brooks would have. This is a net positive. This room got better, and I think it frees up Keldrick Falk and Elijah McAllister to maybe be a little more versatile. Maybe you see Keldrick Falk play some D-end opposite Elijah McAllister. Maybe you see some different groupings, and if one of those guys goes down, you feel a little better because you do have depth behind him. Cyrus Dumas, who is your latest commit, I think there is a little bit of, I think he is all in. I think he wants to be at Auburn. He's a Mississippi kid originally, went to Independence Community College out in Kansas, ended up at New Mexico State. Uh, solid years these past two years. Independence, tackles. last chance you, right? Yes. Is that a last chance you school? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. Yes. He had 40 tackles in 2021, uh, three and a half for a loss, three interceptions, uh, eight passes defended, and a fumble recovery. Last year, 47 tackles, five for a loss, two interceptions, three passes defended, two fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble. Depth piece. Depth piece. Guy who I think can play a few different spots. You know what you have in DJ James. You know what you have in Nehemiah Pritchett. You know what you have in Keontae Scott. And I think you know what you have in Kay and Lee. But this is a guy that if somebody goes down, you've got a fifth corner that you feel good about. You also have J.D. Rim, who I think is going to be a stud. I think I think in 2024, you're going to see this DB group anchored at the corner position by Kay and Lee and J.D. Rim. I like both of other. those guys. I think both are going to be really, really good. J.D. Mm-hmm. Rim had some of the most significant improvement from the start of the year last year to the end of the year. I think he's a really good player. I'm excited to see what he does. But maybe this is a guy that can be a little versatile and play maybe a little bit of safety. I know Auburn may not be done. You may see some further roster shakeups. Um, and I think if that does happen, you're going to see Auburn pursue another DB, another safety. Because you've got Jalen Simpson back there. Uh, you've got Zion Puckett. Uh, you got Caden Bridges, Caleb Wooden, these other guys back there. And they're less of a known commodity. You you have, um, I'm drawing a blank on the Vanderbilt transfer from a couple of years ago that I think is Donovan Kaufman, who, by the way, I really, really like. He's not the most athletic player out there. He's not the biggest guy out there. But last year there were very few guys uh, on this team that played harder than Donovan Kaufman. You've got some experience back there. I think you can kind of mix and match your DBs as a result of landing a guy like Cyrus Dumas. What I go back to is the fact that Auburn is going and getting guys that are going to make uh, they're going to make their their names heard. They're going to make an impact on this team, but you also are getting depth. And Auburn as crazy as it sounds, a football team did not have depth. They didn't have guys that you relied on if somebody went down or if somebody didn't play up to their expectation. You did not have guys that you could rely on to yeah. come into the football game and make plays. I'll say this. I When you look at this Auburn team last year, you didn't have in your 22 guys that started or you're, you're too deep. You didn't have guys that I think matched up well with LSU, with Alabama, with Georgia, with all these other teams in the SEC, Texas A&M. I think going into this year, with what you did in the early portal window, you've got a first group, maybe a second group, that matches up well with an LSU, Mm -hmm. that can compete with them. And some of these pickups here late are depth pieces to help you build that depth. You're still not quite there depth-wise, but I think you were good enough. This roster 
is good enough to go to Baton Rouge and compete with LSU. That's the biggest thing. I think you are. You have gotten guys through the portal that help you compete in the SEC. You're not going to win every game. You may not win most of your games. I don't know. But I think Auburn has gone and gotten guys that will help this team compete and be in football games in 2023. we got to get to our final break here in hour number one. What do you think about the additions for Auburn football in general in the transfer portal and from over the weekend? Hugh Freeze and the Tigers adding three more to this roster. Give us a call as we wrap up hour number one. 334-321-1390. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Carter got a few minutes, but uh, we have some news about Auburn baseball. Some awards to give out, huh? Yeah, the All-SEC teams have been announced. Uh, They were just posted about 30 minutes ago on the Auburn Baseball Instagram account. Uh, Bryson Ware, second team All-SEC, rightfully so. Good for him. It's been a journey for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, started at Mississippi State, went to junior college, ended up at Auburn, kind of a slow start to his career, but has absolutely just burst onto the scene this year, hitting in the 350s. 21 home runs. He's been the heart and soul of this Auburn offense. Ike Irish, freshman All-SEC team. Uh, I mean, he's been about as good of a true freshman as you could possibly ask for. I mean, he's at one time was leading Division One baseball in doubles. The power stroke has started to heat up a little bit, starting to find some home runs, run into some home runs. Here yeah, recently. starting to lift the baseball a little bit. And then uh, the least shocking one to me is defensive All-SEC team, Kaysen Howell, who I, who I would – argue has been the best defensive center fielder in college baseball for about the last three four five years yeah he's that good he is he's got that much range and uh he never really misplays a ball hardly ever which is huge i mean it's huge to have a guy that when the ball is put in play in center field which is is such a vital position that he can make the play. And so, yeah, I wanted to get that in really quick. Congrats to those guys. Um, You've got just – those are three really, really good, important players for this Auburn baseball team uh, as they travel to Hoover today. They'll take on Missouri tomorrow in a single elimination game. Yeah, the last game of the night uh, tomorrow up at Hoover. Again, Auburn has not won in Hoover since 2018. So we'll see if they can do that tomorrow. Congratulations to those guys on their SEC honors. We'll talk some Auburn football when we start back up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird here on ESPN 1067. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways. You can go to ESPNAU.com and click on the podcast center. It'll be right there, commercial commercial free uh, as soon as we are off the air or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast and uh, you can find it there again commercial free and hour one we talked about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball as baseball swept Ole Miss the, or as Matt swept Missouri this weekend and uh, softball went to Clemson and uh, lost in the regional and so their season is done and so uh, we recapped all of that got you caught up as Auburn baseball heads to Hoover this afternoon and to take on Missouri again in Hoover tomorrow. Also, we talked Auburn football and the transfers. We're going to talk some more about that here in this segment. If you missed that, we'll break it all down for you again. Talk about what Auburn has done so far, who they added in the transfer portal this weekend, Auburn football, and uh, break all that down. So we'll start hour number two with that. But we talked about it some in hour number one. And so if you missed any of it, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com. But as I mentioned here in hour two, we'll talk Auburn football transfer portal stuff again. They picked up three players in the portal over the weekend we'll talk about their impact uh, including Shane Hooks the wide receiver who has one of the best catches you'll ever see in college football and then coming up at 3:30, Jacob Hillman of the Albert Sports Network will join us and recap it all so until then we'd love to hear from you phone lines are open give us a call 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 your uh, reactions and your thoughts on the transfer portal additions from over the weekend uh, uh, is there anybody else that you would like to see Auburn get out of the transfer portal? Any other positions you'd like to see Hugh Freeze and company add to this roster? 334-321-1390. Carter, we'll, uh, we'll jump right into this again. Auburn football adding three more transfer additions through the portal over the weekend that puts the Tigers at 20. They're now up to number two in the transfer portal rankings in all of college football. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this... The finishing touches are basically in place. I mean, I think you're, I think you're technically sitting at 85 scholarships right now. Um, I believe, at least. You got to feel good. I mean, you've gotten better at every single unit you have added a player, and even when you've lost players, I think you've gotten better. I think you're, you're, you added depth in the secondary. You've completely overhauled your wide receiver and linebacker rooms and your offensive line rooms. Which you those desperately three, needed. Desperately. Those three have changed more than anything else. You mean you, you saw the entire offensive line. I mean, you there's a real chance four of the five starters on the offensive line are transfers. And your Jeremiah Wright starts as well, and your sixth lineman is Connor Luke. There's a real chance of that. And that's not even mentioning Isavian Miller, uh, who you brought in, who is the number one or number two junior college tackle. I forget which one. Uh, defensive line, you got significantly better at Jack and on the interior by bringing in Justin Rogers. I think Justin Rogers next to Jason Jones, they're going to be a problem for teams that try to run the ball in Auburn. Um, that linebacker room, you've now got like seven guys playing two spots. And you can find a group or some combinations that work with seven guys playing two spots. 
And if you need to go three wide on, at linebacker, you can. Um, you go, you went and got more physical. You got a lot more length at the wide receiver position. You went and brought in a quarterback with miles more experience than the entire room combined. Doesn't it seem like that commitment was weeks and months ago since Auburn has continued to add so. guys? I mean, it, uh, nothing against Peyton Thorne. It just Auburn continues to work. And I think that's what sticks out to me more than anything is Auburn and Hugh Freeze didn't go, and the entire coaching staff, I, I want to make that clear. It's everybody. It's a group effort there. They didn't go and just land Peyton Thorne and say, all right, we're good. We got a quarterback. We're done. We don't need to do anything else. He'll, he'll, he'll make up for what we don't have. No, they weren't, they weren't having that mindset at all. They, they went and got Peyton Thorne, sure, but they continued to boost the offensive line room in the wide receiver room, in the linebackers, in the edge, in the jack. Like They went and continued to put in the effort on the transfer portal, yes. and they have absolutely knocked it out of the park. That's what stands out to me, where they didn't go and get one or two and just say, we're done and we're okay. They continued to hammer the portal. Yeah, I mean, is there a position group from last year to this upcoming season that is worse? I don't think so. I'm, I'm trying to think. You, you I don't can, think we so. We can have a conversation about running back. Uh, that's the ha- only one that popped in my head. conversation about running back with Tank going out the door, but you still have Jarquez. You go bring in Brian Betty. You have Jeremiah Cobb coming on campus. Damari Austin. Yeah, and, and Damari's still there, yes. Sean Jackson's still there. I think at a minimum, that's a wash. At a minimum, in my mind. Because I think, I'm really fascinated by that group because I think and I'm going to continue to talk about it, you've got such unique skill sets in that room. I think Jarquez is your every down back. We know how good he is receiving. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb, I think, brings an Alvin Kamara type of style to that room. I really like that comparison. Brian Batte, uh, home run, speed, scat back guy that I think can run between the tackles more than people realize. Because I think he's going to disappear behind that offensive line because... He's not as thick as Deuce Vaughn, but he's Deuce, Deuce Vaughn's height, basically. Deuce Vaughn's daggum 5'6". Yeah. And he disappeared behind offensive line. And the next thing you know, he's hitting the second level, and he's got a full head of steam, and he's hard to catch. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Brian Batiste is going to be. He brings a lot to the return game. Damari Austin, I think, is maybe in that room, the guy who was the most undervalued going into the spring that increased his value the most. Because I think that was something that Hugh talked about was, Man, I don't think you realize how good Demario Austin is. I think that that room is really good. And yet, after all of these additions, other than Peyton Thorne, because he's the quarterback, I keep coming back to the one I'm most excited to watch is Rivaldo Fairweather. I think that is going to be something we've not seen at Auburn in decades. A dynamic, athletic tight end who is capable of going for 100 yards receiving any game and is capable of being a mismatch nightmare. And you actually have a coaching staff that will use the tight end position and will throw to the tight ends, and it won't be a waste of a guy on the football field. He won't just be a number. He'll actually be a a, a threat to catch the football and make plays in the red zone. I'm with you, man. I think Rivaldo Fairweather could be a, a really, really – go-to guy whether it's 
to start a drive on first down or whether you're inside the 20 or inside the five and you need to throw a fade to the corner and make him go up and get it, yeah, you have you have legitimate receivers now. You have legitimate receivers now at the wide receiver position and at the tight end spot. And I think you know, we've heard on this show for, for weeks and for months now about Auburn fans wanting wide receivers. Who's going to catch the football? The first question was who's throwing the football. Second question, is he going to have time to throw it? And third, who's he throwing it to? Well, it seems like you have your quarterback in Peyton Thorne. You have an offensive line that can actually hold their own in the SEC now for what we understand and what we hope. And Auburn has answered the question in the transfer portal about wide receivers. You'll have a whole new group out there besides Javarius Johnson and Camden Brown. Everybody else will be brand new out of the transfer portal. And I think Auburn fans are going to really, really enjoy what they see. If everything comes together. So, So I would say at that receiver room, Jay Fair, okay, Amari Kelly, and Cam Brown, you guys who were freshmen last year who I think showed some potential, you've you got to feel a lot better about that room being so much better. Because what, you lose Shed Jackson, but you return Javarius Johnson, who is your leading receiver. You return Coy Moore, who is your second leading receiver. Mm-hmm. And yet, I, I don't think Coy Moore is going to barely, I think he's barely going to play. I think he's barely going to play. And I think that this, this, when you look at who you bring in, shorter hooks, Mardner might have limited touches because of what you've added since him. Caleb Burton, hooks, shorter. Those guys, along with Cam Brown, along with Javaris Johnson, I think that, that room's going to be so much better than we've seen. And again, you have a quarterback who has proven he can throw the football at a high level. You've brought in offensive linemen who have proven they can block and proven they can give him time. We just mentioned the running back room where even though you lose Tank Bigsby to the NFL, you didn't get worse. You may not have gotten better, but you haven't gotten worse. You still have a lot of good guys in there. The offense should be much improved. And then you look on the defensive side of the football – your defensive line is solid. Your corners are good. You picked up another uh, depth piece this weekend in the corner. You're getting better at linebacker and at edge, right? You are improving that because you desperately needed to. The defense is going to be good too. And you have players. Defense is going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot deeper. Better. Which, I, I think, which I think deeper are, is better. I think teams are going to struggle to run on this Auburn defense because I think, think your linebackers got significantly better and more physical, and just bigger. I think your front got bigger and more difficult to move. And between, I mean, that's almost, what, 650 pounds you're going to have to move between your two, your nose guard, your nose tackle and your D tackle and Jason Jones and Justin Rogers. And I think Jason Jones is going to get significantly better. I think Justin Rogers is going to be great. And I'm, and that frees Marcus Harris up to play D end. It's a guy who's played D-tackle and been maybe the most underrated player on the Auburn defense the last two years. This is going to be a tough Auburn team to run the football on, and you've got a good secondary. To For me, the only limiter on this defense is how good is the pass rush going to be. Mm-hmm. If the pass rush can be good, if it can be top third of the SEC, 
This defense has a chance to be, I think, pretty special. And we know that was that was a problem last year, man. That was a big problem for this team because there were some good quarterbacks in the SEC last year, and Auburn faced some good ones, but Auburn made quarterbacks look even better because they couldn't get any pressure. They couldn't get to the quarterback. They let quarterbacks sit in the pocket and pick them apart play after play, game after game, week after week. And if Auburn can get some pressure, because I'm with you, I think running the football in this Auburn defense is going to be tough this year. If you can get some pressure and make the quarterbacks throw into a situation they're not super comfortable with, with what we know the secondary is going to be like for Auburn, yeah, the defense could be really, really good. And so you take all of this that we're talking about, I think everybody, just about every position is upgraded from last year to this year thanks to Hugh Freeze and this staff, to the high school recruiting and the transfer portal efforts that they've put in. Auburn, is the talent is significantly better. Now, will they perform that well? I don't know. Well, I mean, we're just going to have to find out. We can't. We can sit here and talk about it all day, but I've been saying this. You've got to get the results on the field. I think they will come, but you still have to get the results on the field. I want to talk about Shane Hooks, a guy that Auburn brought in over the weekend, the Jackson State wide receiver. This guy has one of the best catches you'll ever see. If you remember Odell Beckham Jr. when he did the one-handed three-finger catch for the New York Giants on Sunday Night Football, Shane Hooks has one that's pretty similar to that. This guy, if he can translate from Jackson State to an SEC school, you better watch out because he's going to make some highlight real plays at wide receiver. I'm convinced. And if Peyton Thorne or whoever is the quarterback can throw him the football, just get it. This is a guy, just get it near him. You don't have to put it right on his hands. He'll go up and get it, man. He will absolutely go get the football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, the length and the size at receiver is going to be so much fun to watch. I mean, you can, you can run out, you can go five wide, I guess at any point with six foot two, six foot three Camden Brown, six foot two, two twenty shorter, six four, uh two oh five Shane Hooks, six six two fifteen Nick Martner, <laughs> and six four and a half, six five Fairweather. One of our favorite questions, when's the last time Albert could do that? There was a point in time where they had size and for whatever reason they just didn't use it they had a couple guys that just I mean you you had Canyon and Capers along with Seth Williams and like I think all those guys had I, I thought I thought Capers after watching his freshman year I was like that is Seth Williams he just had Seth Williams his freshman year a year after him then he just didn't do anything after yeah it, and they ended up leaving I mean, he was here to tough he was here to tough time too but I mean yes and no I mean, I'll, kind of, but like the path was there. Oh, it was there. It was no the doubt it was there. An impact. Yeah. And he just didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, it was, you have had some size and you've had some guys that are just underwhelmed. I mean, we saw, we saw Canyon go nuts in the bowl game against Northwestern and then disappear and ended up at Purdue last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the re- wide receiver development under Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson, it was putrid. It was awful. And I think Marcus Davis is going to be the best receivers coach Auburn's had in a long time. And Hugh Freeze and this 
Hugh Freeze has a track record with with receivers. Go look at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dante Moncrief, Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell is the leading receiver in Ole Miss history. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, studs, all of them. You've got guys all over the place at Liberty. Gandy Golden had put up stupid numbers. Yeah, and you're seeing Hugh Freeze go and get legitimate receivers in the transfer portal, but not just that, Carter. You're seeing Hugh Freeze go and talk to the biggest names in the high school ranks at wide receiver in the state of Alabama. Five stars that are committed in talking to Alabama, and he's going and talking to these guys at the wide receiver spot. So he has improved the room through the transfer portal, but he's also going and trying to get the biggest and best names at the wide receiver spot in high school recruiting as well which should make Auburn fans excited because Auburn just has not been a throwing, passing threat with legitimate wide receivers, that's plural, wide receivers, in so long, man. Just so long has it been where we could go into a game and think Auburn's going to throw for 350 yards in this game. I mean, it just doesn't happen a whole lot right now, even when you had Bo Nix or Jarrett Stidham, right? It just didn't seem like the confidence was there because the players weren't there across the field but I think you're going to see a different story this year I think you're going to see a different story on the offensive side of the football yes 100% I mean it's gonna be this these coach this coaching staff is going to use play to the skill set of their players and figure out they're going to find a way to put up points isn't that a crazy idea let's play to our best players isn't that a wild theme yeah, and I think it's going to be a more complex offense than Gus Malzahn's offense. I'm just going to bring this up before we go to break because it's so random and I am so confused by it. If I told you Joey Gatewood just committed somewhere, where would you say? Oh, no. Joey Gatewood. What? He's Joey Gatewood who came to college the year before Bo Nix, and Bo Nix is going into, what, year five? Yeah. He just committed to Louisville? To Louisville. I'm Okay. What is what does he play these days? Tight end? Giant receiver? Quarterback? Yeah. Massive receiver. Is he still playing quarterback? I don't think he's playing quarterback anymore. To but, Louisville. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good for him, man. Hey, it's the ACC. You never know. You never That's know. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm so I, curious about I that. honestly didn't even know he was still playing college ball. Me either. I don't yeah. I just Happen to see it on Twitter. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, I mean, good for him, I guess. But Joey Gatewood to Louisville, breaking news on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> we got to get to a break here at hour number two. We'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. What do you think about all these transfer portal additions? What do you think about Joey Gatewood going to Louisville? We'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390. We'll talk best and worst things from over the weekend when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067 for the Monday edition of On the Line. Question of the day. We talked a little bit about this uh, in hour number one, uh, but I did most of the talking. So, Carter, it's now your turn. The best and worst things that you saw over the weekend in sports. It can be Auburn-related. It cannot be Auburn-related. Whatever you want, man. What's the best and worst things you saw in sports this weekend? Well, I mean, other than Michael Block that we already talked about, which is unbelievable what he did. Um, got to talk Brooks Kepka just because of the way that his career has gone. We're talking about a guy who 
Didn't get a. He grew up a massive Florida fan. It was not good enough to get a scholarship, according to the Florida golf team. Goes to FSU. Goes and plays on the Challenge Tour in Europe. Battles his way through that. Makes it onto the PGA Tour. After he makes it on there, takes some time to realize, oh, like I can be really good. Because the best player in the world wins four majors in three years, wasn't it? It was something in a three-year span, something mm-hmm. like that. Then has these injuries, goes to the live tour, gets healthy again. And that's one of the things that was on full swing was talked about. The the fact that he had so much doubt with these injuries. He didn't know if he could ever get back to the mountaintop. And now you see him return to this status of hey, there's a major being played. Right now, you, you got to go through three guys, and they're John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Brooks Kepka. And the fe- Kepka finishing second at the Masters and winning the PGA has reestablished that fact. And I'd be hard-pressed with the other two majors to go if he's this healthy. I mean, I think you kind of have to go through him. Yeah. He's, He's been better than Scheffler at the first two. He's Rom was great and won the Masters, but then Rom had a really tough weekend this past weekend. I think right now, based on what we've seen through two majors, I'd probably put Kepka at the top of that list. Yeah, and, and after watching Full Swing, that was and if again, if you have not seen that documentary on Netflix and you're a golf fan, even if you're not, I recommend you go and watch that. After watching Full Swing, you can tell that there are very few guys that want to win majors more than Brooks Kepka. Like majors are everything to him, and that's why you see him just go dummy hard in in those in the majors because he shows up. He may not even be playing good, but he shows up in a major. And you better sprinkle a little money on him if you're into that because he's going to be on the leaderboard come Sunday afternoon. He's going to be there. And, and yeah, that was a, a fantastic moment. And congratulations to him, man. Is there, Third is there a PGA Championship victory. On the on the tour right now, I guess you could maybe say Rom. Is there a more intimidating presence on the tour? Or like, not? I guess it's not on the tour. At a major than Brooks Kepka. No, he he's it. He, he is I mean, it. It's, it's John Rom when he's playing well and Brooks Kepka And... I mean, it's the closest, I guess, we've seen to peak Tiger. I mean, nobody's going to be peak Tiger where it just right. guys melted in his presence. Scotty is not, Scotty Scheffler's not intimidating. You just know he's always going to be he there. He doesn't, he's always there and when he's, and he can be unbeatable when he's playing his best. But even when he's there, like, I don't feel, I, I, it doesn't feel like the no, same I agree. tension no, I agree. is in the air as when. Rom and Kepka are at the peak of their powers, and they, they're maybe it's just that those two guys are their physical figures. presence. <laughs> um, yeah. The other things I want to mention: NHL postseason's been awesome. It's been fantastic. Every game so far of the first uh, of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals have gone to overtime. One of them went to four overtimes. That was insane. Uh, and with that in mind, we got to say the best thing in sports right now are eight seeds, right? Yeah. With the Florida heat, Panthers. Heat up 3-0 on the Celtics. And the Florida Panthers, who snuck into the playoffs, up 2-0 on the Carolina Hurricanes? Back at home tonight are mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers with a chance to go up 3-0. Yeah. 
The NHL wouldn't playoffs be, have been fantastic. Wouldn't it be something if we had an eight seed win the Stanley Cup and the NBA championship in the same year? From the state of Florida. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something, huh? How about that? Yeah, wouldn't that be something? I saw somebody saying that uh, the sport of basketball runs through Florida right now because you had FAU and Miami in the Final Four, and you've got the Miami Heat one win away from the NBA Finals. It's crazy, man. I'm so proud of you for bringing up hockey stuff, too. I'm so proud of that. It has been fantastic in the NHL playoffs. This next guest probably won't talk much hockey. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us to talk baseball, softball, and Auburn football. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird. And joining us, as he always does, on Mondays at 3.30, it is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, busy weekend in Auburn sports, man. I uh, I know you're busy, but one of the seasons, unfortunately, has come to an end, and your schedule may, uh, may be cleared up just a bit. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a fun weekend here in Auburn, but unfortunately, yeah, watch, watching the regional up in Clemson, yeah, it, it was a fun season for Auburn softball, and and it was a blast to be a part of it. Well, we'll start right there as Auburn goes to the Clemson regional. Uh, it was a tough regional, and then if they were to win that, it was going to be even tougher having to go to Norman, Oklahoma, and take on the one loss Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, but Auburn falls short to the Clemson Tigers and the winner take all game yesterday there in Clemson. South Carolina break down what you saw from this Auburn team all season long and then in that regional in particular well I saw this team really uh, come together towards the end of the year and, and start to believe in themselves and fight for uh, just postseason positioning and, and, and wins at Tuscaloosa against LSU at J.B. Moore Field and and in the SEC tournament against Ole Miss and and even against South Carolina you came up a little bit short but uh, that was still a heck of a battle, and and the same can be said about this weekend's regional at Clemson. Last year at Clemson, uh, you came up a game short of the regional championship. This year, you forced the game seven, the if necessary game, and uh, obviously everyone really gave it all their all. Especially Maddie Penta, over 300 pitches across the weekend. She threw, uh, I think, almost 200 uh, just on on the second day, and it was really just a heck of a battle from. Uh, uh, from this team, and and it, it and it's one of those seasons where uh, throughout the year you, you're thinking, okay, waiting for this team to break through, and then you look back to that Alabama series, and that that's when it happened, and and they continue to uh, play well and keep battling, and and you get to the tournament, and and anything can happen in the tournament, and obviously Auburn got just one step away from advancing to the Super Regionals. When you look forward to next season, what are what are some things for Auburn fans to be excited about, and what are some where are some areas that Auburn may need to improve? Well, obviously, you have Maddie Pinta. She should be returning. She's a junior, and she'll be even better if if that trend continues. She has improved each and every single year she's been at Auburn, and, and you have other uh, young kids that are going to return as well. You only have three seniors that are going to depart from this team, and. And obviously, the transfer portal, that, that's always fluid, and you, you don't know about that until it does happen. Uh, but I also think that uh, Coach Dean understands that uh, 
that that how how that's the world now. And we saw three transfers he brought in this past season at Nanavelt Weeks for an Isis Crespick and um and uh, and KK McCrary. They all played major roles on this team this year. So he he knows that that's just part of the game now and um and we'll make sure that he replenishes anything that he loses, whether it's just Lindsey Garcia, Carly McConaughey, and Mike Engelkeith, or more so to the portal. And I just think that there there is a lot of young players on this team that uh, you see the flashes of greatness throughout the year. And, you know, one player you can talk about, Bree Ellis, uh, sort of a sophomore slump, some people said, as if her numbers weren't great. She led the team in home runs and, and runs batted in. So if that's a slump, then you're going to take that for sure. And she'll, she'll be back and better than ever. Uh, and, and the recruiting class coming in is a strong one. So um, you, you've got plenty of young stars that are continuing to grow. I think the pitching staff will continue to improve. I think Emma Rawls, she, uh, she was a freshman this year out of Bob Jones High School. And uh, she didn't play as much, uh, get as much action done in, in SEC play. But uh, she, she throws in the 70 miles per hour range. And she's, she's similar to... Uh, Pence's style of pitching, and I think she will take a big step forward uh, next year. Well, Hillman, as I mentioned, if Auburn softball had beaten Clemson, uh, they'd be going and taking on Oklahoma, who is uh, not only the best team in the country, maybe the best softball team ever assembled. They have one loss all season long. It's theirs to lose, right? Yeah, it is. And you saw number two UCLA go down uh, to in in their regional. They they went 0-2. Grand Canyon beat them in the in game one, and, and then they lost the next game. So uh, the parody in softball has really started to grow, and and you see a lot more mayhem. Like that's what that's what they want to call it. It, it is mayhem, uh, kind of similar to the March Madness thing, and it, it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And like you said, though, Oklahoma is a special team, and fifty four and one. I think this year they just run ruled their entire regional. Uh, I, I don't see a team stopping them, but. You know, outside of that, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the Super Regionals action this weekend. What did you see uh, transitioning to the baseball diamond? What did you see out of that Auburn team? With the kind of you needed to sweep to be in the host conversation to potentially seal a host position, and this team did just that. They were dominant in the first two games, and then they got down in Game Three, and they did not quit. They just fought all the way to the end and got the sweep over Missouri. What did you see out of the Tigers this weekend? Well, I think most impressively, and we've talked about this uh, a whole lot throughout the year, as this team has continued to grow and and get better, is is the fight and battle in this team. You were down two starters this weekend, and Christian Herberholz and and Tommy Vale and and Chase Alsop. He stood up tremendously, like Connor Copeland did as well. I think those two guys pitching the way they did this weekend really gave you a great chance. Uh, to get that sweep and obviously the offense came through when it needed to and and the bullpen as well it it was such an impressive weekend all around obviously games one and two Auburn controlled from the first pitch to the final pitch and then game three you fall behind early but the the Tigers continue to answer the Auburn Tigers continue to answer Missouri when they would put runs up after that first inning and and then obviously the eighth inning we we've seen that so many times this year with with this offense where you get late into a game and you know they're going to give you a finish. That you know that they're going to fight. They're never out of a game because of how explosive the offense was, and it really wasn't even that explosive. It was just putting the ball in play and and making good things happen. So I, I was really excited. And man, I thought the atmosphere at Plankton Park was, was like a regional or a super regional atmosphere. I, I credit 
that that those four thousand ninety six fans for that pass ball that tied the game, the first pitch to Ike Irish. I, that place got loud, and and I think it was it was too big of a moment for that pitcher. Well, that and the uh, second eagle flight there at Plainsman Park has been. Oh. I mean that that's been electric. What a great idea that was to bring that over from Jordan Hare Stadium, huh? I mean, it, that's an incredible thing. That, you know, like I said, I was just talking about the atmosphere, and, and that just adds to it. What what, what this athletic department is doing uh, with the fan experience, the marketing, it, it it is it is really awesome to see it grow and and, and continue to add to it. I mean. And I think something interesting, some, some folks pointed out on Twitter this weekend, was how this is different from uh, the football eagle flight because the teams are out on the field. They're in the dugout mm-hmm. for this. So you get to see their reactions and the eagle. I mean, it buzzed over them as well. It, it was a really cool thing. And, and like you said, it, it's the second time it's happened. I, I expect to see it uh, to continue at baseball and, and expand to a few other sports as well. When you look at this Auburn team as they head to uh, Hoover this weekend, uh, what do you want to see out of them? They get Missouri for a fourth straight game. Uh, <laughs> do you do you view it as it's really hard to beat a team four times in a row? Uh, could the the lasting impressions of this weekend affect that Missouri team? And uh, how deep can this Auburn baseball team go in Hoover? Yeah, I think I think potentially. It, it, I mean, it's going to get tougher. We saw Game Three; that that was the most difficult game for Auburn to win. So Game Four, I think, is also going to be uh, a tough battle. And you also never know what's going to happen on that wacky late night game in Hoover. Mm-hmm. Who knows when it starts? It might be early Wednesday morning, but uh, that's just how it goes, and you have to be prepared for that. Um, as far as, as far as that game and beyond, I, I believe Auburn might go to Tommy Vale tomorrow, and then from there, it's going to be really interesting to see what the pitching staff shapes out to be because there's a lot to gain this week. I mean, I, I don't know exactly where Auburn stands in the committee, but based off projections, right now you're sitting between a 12 and, and a 16 seed as a host. If you make it deep into the weekend, maybe make the championship game or, or even win it, you might play your way into a top eight seed consideration. That, that is insane to think, but it is possible because of how strong the SEC is and if Auburn is to make it that far, you're beating the likes of the Vanderbilt. You're beating the likes of Florida and Arkansas. That will boost your RPI so much, and, and it gives you some wins that you didn't get earlier this year. You took one at Florida, but you got swept at Arkansas and didn't get a chance to play Vanderbilt. So adding those signature wins in Hoover would really uh, strengthen the, conver- uh, the argument for Auburn. to, to it, would, it would solidify clearly a host spot, but even work your way into a top-eight national seed. Well, Jacob, the, the big question for Auburn baseball going into Hoover this week at the SEC tournament, they haven't won a game there since 2018, man. How do they how do they turn that around? How do they close that noise out and just play baseball against Missouri tomorrow? Well, it helps when you're on an eight-game SEC winning streak, especially. Uh, for example, last year, um, it, 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 it's a similar situation where you're playing the team you close the regular season out against. The difference, though, is that you just swept Missouri, whereas last year you went to Kentucky and you lost two out of three there. And then uh, you, you lose a low-scoring affair on that early Tuesday game. Um, well, no, I think that was – it was supposed to be the late Tuesday night game and it ended up being the Wednesday morning game in Hoover. And uh, it's, it's almost the exact same situation this year where, it, like, Missouri is the 12th seed, Auburn's the 5th seed, late Tuesday night. So – um, I, I just think it, it's really going to be uh, – it's, it's a big deal because 
like you said, Auburn hasn't won uh, in a few years, but uh, just continuing to fight and, and have that momentum and carry it into a regional, that's important. And getting a couple wins, even if you don't make it to the weekend, make it to Saturday or Sunday, then you still have things to build off of and, and you get some work against some really strong teams like Vanderbilt and Florida and, and, and Arkansas, whoever uh, stands in front of you. And who knows, even there's a chance Thursday night if, if Alabama is to upset Florida, you're going to be in a heck of an atmosphere on Thursday night if you're playing Alabama. So it, it, it's just there's so many scenarios to play through. And if you get a win tomorrow, who knows what can happen the rest of the week because you're also entering into the double elimination portion of the tournament. Well, let me give you and our listeners some uh, some really great news that I know we're all going to be really excited to hear about. Looking at the radar for tomorrow in Hoover, yeah, seventy percent chance of rain all day. Of course, I mean that, <laughs> that's not shocking. That's, it that, rains every year, listen, man. Every year. Listen, I, so I growing up, I lived within fifteen minutes of the Hoover Met my entire life. So it, it was always funny how when there would be a rain delay at the Met, but it wasn't raining at my house. I, I, there's just something about it that attracts the rain. And we even saw it last week, last Tuesday, when Auburn went, was supposed to play Sanford in that midweek contest. I guess it was before Ole Miss. And that game had no chance of being played. There was, mm-hmm. there was one small cell that just sat on top of the med. I don't know what it is, but that, it's just what happened. So, uh, again, you have to be prepared for it and ready to, uh, to delay your games. Well, you'd think they'd, they'd put a fund together and put a roof over that place with as much as it rains during the SEC tournament during baseball. But talking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, he joins us every Monday at 3.30. Hillman, it seems like every time we have you on over the past month or so, we just continue to ask you about the additions through the transfer portal for Auburn football. The Tigers get three more over the weekend, including the wide receiver Shane Hooks. Your thoughts on those three guys that were uh, additions to Auburn football this weekend? Yeah, it's really an impressive, impressive transfer portal additions these past, I would say, especially this weekend. I feel like this is one of the stronger weekends uh, from Coach Friesen's staff where you, you, it's all around. You get a couple of receivers, you get a linebacker, and, and, and it's just all coming together. You start seeing the pieces that are going to really uh, glue this team together and, and, and make sure that it is a competitive football team come fall. And, and I, I really believe that where um, – where they're at with this roster, it has a chance to be uh, a special first year on the Plains with Coach Freeze. And I, I just think that it, it also is the new day and age. I mentioned it with softball, but especially with football and, and other sports, I, I guess you just, I guess you could say all the sports, no matter, no matter what the results of the year prior was, the transfer portal can turn you right back around and, and make you a contender in your conference. So uh, that, that it's an exciting time uh, for this Auburn football team. Hillman, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you make a uh, prediction here, or I guess okay. make, make a statement, put you on the spot, excluding Peyton Thorne because I feel like quarterback is cheating. Who is the one okay. incoming transfer you're most excited to watch in 23? That isn't that is a very interesting question because yeah, Peyton Thorne would be the obvious answer, and and um, that's the easy answer. Quarterback is cheating, but, in, in in my book, yeah, no, I no, I agree for sure. I mean, I think it's got to be one of these receivers because of the quarterback being the answer, <laughs> and he's got to have someone to throw to. And yeah. he's already got a solid receiving room. But I think the guys that Auburn has picked up has turned it into a very well-rounded receiving room. Fair. You got size with 
uh, guys like Camden Brown and Rivaldo Fairweather from FIU. You've got now the explosiveness from Jair Shorter from North Texas, and then you've got the Jackson State transfer. And I'm just, I'm just excited to see where all these guys fit in. You've got returnees and Javarius Johnson, Corey, Coy Moore, and, and so on and so on. I feel like that receiving room and the tight end room is really going to complement yeah. Peyton Thorne as well as the running backs. So um, I, if that offensive line continues to grow, and, and it does, uh, this offense could be really exciting to watch. Yeah. I, I really think that this team is going to throw the ball a whole lot this season. Yeah, I mean, Fair, Fairweather's been mine since almost day one. And, yeah. I, and I, I mean, outside of Peyton Thorne, I mean, had it been Grayson McCall, then I think I would have, I would have, allowed us to to say him uh i am still very excited about peyton thorne but but fairweather feels like something we haven't seen in an auburn uniform anytime recently that's true that is true jacob hillman of the auburn sports network and uh, look the 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 receiver room is just so different that's what we talked about a lot today it's just so different than what we've seen in the past right i mean it's just exciting well auburn hasn't had a 1000 yard receiver this century and you've had guys come close. I think Darvin Adams came three yards short of it in 2009 or 2010. And it's just exciting to see because it, obviously we're used to, the, to, to your Cadillac Williams, your Ronnie Browns, your, your Ben Tate, the, the, the Trey Masons, the Carrion Johnsons, the world, and, and the running backs. And what this team is going to be able to do running the football, being able to be explosive in the passing game, I think it's going to take this team to another level. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us every Monday at 3.30 right here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Man, softball's over. What are you going to do now with all your free time? Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, probably probably get out to play some golf. Some, I mean, it's difficult to play golf in Auburn nowadays. I mean, everyone's out at Grand National. Tell me about it, man. It, 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 it's, it's, it's still fun to do. I, I might go up to Birmingham a few times this summer and and try to uh, hit a golf course up there. There you go, man. Hey, we always appreciate you hopping on with us. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything going on at the Auburn Sports Network because baseball is still going on. They'll be in Hoover tomorrow. Yep, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU and follow at AU Sports Network on Twitter as well. Uh, Andy Bertram, Bradlaw will have the call all week in Hoover. Right now we're set for probably a 7.45 Central airtime on the Auburn Sports Network tomorrow night. We'll see if that changes, so follow at AU Sports Network. I know Andy and Brad are just so excited to go up there and wait for that game to start tomorrow night. <laughs> they, they certainly are. <laughs> Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Hey, man, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on, as always. War Eagle guy. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday at 3.30 right here on On the Line. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Monday edition of the show when we come back. You are on the line. On ESPN 106.7, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Big, big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Monday at 3.30. I really hate that I looked up the weather for tomorrow at Hoover because they're calling, like I said, 70% chance of rain in Hoover tomorrow. And that's when the SEC tournament Which starts. Which means we could get a Wednesday morning Auburn-Missouri game. <sighs> that's just, man. And that's, that's what Hillman was talking about. That's how Auburn kind of got screwed last year because they had to play early Wednesday morning against Kentucky and just didn't show up, man. They just didn't show up. And so, I don't know. 
if it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow in Hoover, who knows when Auburn's going to play? I'll be honest. I kind of love when we get the um, the game in Hoover for the SEC tournament that like starts at like eleven thirty p.m. and goes to like two thirty in the morning. I'll tell you who doesn't love it. Almost everybody else involved. <laughs> I think it's. I think those games are awesome because they always go. They are bonkers, crazy. The wildest stuff happens. You like I've seen some extra inning games that have gone fourteen innings or whatever in Hoover and yeah, and you've had these long drawn out battles into the early morning hours and yeah. As a I broadcaster, think so much fun. As a broadcaster, that sounds so bad. That I mean, oh my, oh, because I, I, look, you and I have called some late games for Lee Scott football. I've called some late games for basketball and baseball, but a game that starts at ten thirty or eleven o'clock at night for baseball would be miserable. I'm just going to be really honest with you. As a broadcaster, I would be in such a sour mood, but I wouldn't let it know be known on the air. But hopefully that doesn't happen tomorrow at the SEC tournament. Hopefully the games can get in. We'll update you all day long, all show long as we hear on ESPN 106.7. Auburn's scheduled to play tomorrow night. We'll see if it happens. And uh, we'll talk some more about that tomorrow. Plus Auburn football in the portal. Who knows what'll happen between now and then. So come back tomorrow between 2 to 4 p.m. right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.